Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the Cone Zone. We're the Cones, Perry Feast, Grant and Lowell. We weren't here last week because my dad was getting an eye procedure, which was successful, and now he has a bionic eye. One. <laughs> I, had that? Ca- I had a cataract surgery. And I got to tell you, if you're all young, but if they say you need cataract surgery, it's nothing. It's okay. really, it was 20 minutes. But here's the deal. So you have a choice uh, of three areas. Do you want your uh, lens fixed for reading, middle area, or long distance? I got it for reading because I read and write. I'm a reader and a writer. So <laughs> And a journalist. De- I'm, I'm a journalist, former. So I can see really good up close with the new lens. But the old lens is old. So what happens is the new lens is so much better than the old lens that now I read <laughs> like this and I'm going to get a patch. But the doctor said, I come back in four weeks. I'll see what the deal is. Maybe I need to get the other eye done. So it can catch up with the right eye. Yeah. You're a little cockeyed right now. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever that means. Uh, (laughs) So if I go like this during the show, it's okay. I'll do it too. Out of solidarity. (laughs) Solidarity. So we missed the show last week. Last week, we would have been talking about the schedule. So I want to start there. We're going to get into the top storylines heading into OTAs eventually. That's the the title of the show. But I want to start with the schedule because... Schedule comes out, and I make my predictions within 10 minutes, and I post it, and I feel pretty good about it. I had the Niners going 10-7, and but winning their first four games and didn't think twice about it. You watched my video, read my article, and you wanted me to slow down a little bit on those first four games. Yeah, I, I do, and here's why. I agree with you that the 49ers should win those first four games. We're total totally agreed on that, but... In the history of the past two seasons, they don't win all those four games because Shanahan doesn't have his team ready. Oh, Lowell is bitching again about Shanahan. Those cones are so negative. Look at the look at the results. There's teams last season, let's just last season, that they should have beat. Iggy, who were they that they didn't beat right off the bat? Week one in Chicago, week three in Denver. Two of the five or six worst teams in the league they lost to. And didn't, Found Denver, a way. Get, didn't Denver get its coach fired? Last oh, yeah. 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 So what I'm saying is they weren't ready, and it's a pattern with Shanahan. So what I told Iggy is you cannot take those four games for granted. Of course they should win them. So what this amounts to is if they win the four games they should win, it shows growth in Shanahan. He has the team ready to play on opening game as he hadn't the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. But if he's true to form, he's going to lose one or two of those first four games, and it's going to affect them later in the season. What's interesting to me is they started out 8-0 four years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. That's ancient history. The next year, Shanahan gets a lot of his players injured in camp, and they're banged up by week one, and they have a dismal year six and ten since there then i feel like kyle's strategy has been to have a really light camp a really light preseason get everyone to the season healthy and then let the injuries happen during games and so they're sort of figuring out who they are they're really susceptible they're not really a good team early in the season and i wonder are they going to change that or is that just what they're going to do if that's the case pittsburgh week one that's a loss because mike tomlin's a really good coach who always has his team ready to go week one 
That's right. He, he's, he's an exceptional coach, and he's not going to wait until game four. Now, no. his team isn't going to go anywhere. The Niners should beat them. But right. Iggy... Um, they have a really good defense, too. They have a good defense. Yeah. They'll be, at, they'll be at home. And let me give you this stat. They've won three season openers in a row, and they're 6-3-1 and one their last 10 on in week one. That's, yeah. that's the effect of a, of a well-coached team. Yeah, so yeah. Shanahan has to find a middle ground between yeah. keeping his players healthy but having them ready. Also, Iggy, for the Niners, Pittsburgh has not been necessarily an easy pace, place to play. Remember no. the first – well, the first year, the only year that the Butcher had them? The Butcher yes. is my nickname for uh, Tom Sula. I yeah. swear to God, the first time I saw that guy – I could see him in the butcher shop where I grew up on Avenue M with one of those um, aprons with blood yeah. on it, you know. Wait, from, wiping his hands like this? Wiping his hands, say, yeah. You got a number? You, know, we got yeah. <laughs> you got a number? You got a number? 42! 42! <laughs> Sorry. And I, so I always called him the butcher, and, and I think he would have been a better butcher than Maybe. a head coach. Iggy, tell him what happened in that game. Okay, so it was 2015. Harbaugh just gotten fired. The organization thought he was getting too big for his britches or whatever, and they could replace him with Jim Tom Sula and not miss a beat. They won week one. I believe they beat the Rams. And a lot of people were saying, hey, the Niners, the Niners are geniuses. This is going to work out. They go to Pittsburgh week two, feeling really good about themselves. They get obliterated 43 to 18. It wasn't even close. After the game, it's a very awkward uh post-game locker room because this team is like who the hell are we we never used to lose like that under Jim Harbaugh like what does this mean about us and then you get the head coach coming out and take it away dad yeah the head coach so Iggy and I are standing there the media is allowed in after about 10 or 15 minutes so here's Tom so you never see the head coach in the locker room especially after a loss he's especially in front of the media in front of the media he's going around shaking every player's going locker to locker really a great effort thank you I I, thank you I appreciate what you. you did Thank you. Yeah. And he went to Staley, and Staley gave him a look, and Iggy, he gave us a look. Like, like this. Can you, be- can you believe this shit? Right? Wow. Yeah. This is our head coach. <laughs> wow. Head this, coach. I haven't seen this one before. This is new. <laughs> this Congratulating is new. Yeah. us after a loss yeah. to, a, to a no big deal team. So that we went up to the press box afterward, time to write a, uh, a column. So I wrote a column, forget this team. Because this coach doesn't have a clue. He he uh, he praises losing. I've been yeah. around a long time, and I got to tell you a lot of because people could read your stuff online and at dinner a lot of a lot of the writers were saying Lowell is premature and you know that's Lowell and all this. Meanwhile, Iggy, I was right. Uh, he you was a right. bum. He was a bum. Yeah. I don't mean as a person, although he may be a bum as a person. I don't know, <laughs> but he was a bum as a coach. What do you think Har- Harbaugh thinks of him? I got I got I a couple more things to say. I got a couple more things to say. Not just Tom Sula, but week that was 2015. They had just gotten rid of Frank Gore, I believe. And it was the the, the coronation of Carlos Hyde. <laughs> Carlos Hyde was supposed to be the next Balcow running back for the 49ers. And he had a really good week one against the Rams. I think he scored three touchdowns. Then he went to Pittsburgh. And the Steelers hit him so hard in the first half, he didn't make it to the second half. I remember Ryan Shazier hitting him harder than I think I've seen any linebacker ever hit a run, uh, a running back and that guy he was just a punching bag for a half and he tapped out that was it for Carlos Hyde and I was thinking you know I don't think Frank Gore would have done that so 
that was a moment of truth. It's a big moment of truth going to Pittsburgh, and I could see the Niners losing. I mean, they don't even know who their quarterback's going to be that in that game. It could be Sam Darnold. Yeah. So okay, we both agreed. One more. Sh- one yep. more. Ga- one more trouble game that that we can't overlook. Week three against the Giants. They're not a great oh. team on paper, but they went to the playoffs last year. And again, that's a really well coached team. Brian Dayball, and he had them six and one last year because they're well coached and they started hot, even though they're not that great. So. The Niners are messing around. They will lose to the Giants as well. And the other two games in that stretch are the, the Rams and the Cardinals. I don't think there's any... I mean, it's football, but Niners should be able to beat the Rams and the Cardinals. But the other two... Okay, hold on. They should certainly be able to beat the Cardinals. That team is a mess. A mess. That franchise is a mess. You know, they could lose to the Rams. Yeah. The problem with the if Rams is not I, prepared. I can't... It's true. I can't name more than one player on their defense, honestly. I don't know. I, I, I've looked at them, and I'm like, I can't recognize anyone. Okay. They, they tore it all down. But, yeah, it's, it's true. Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, they could lose if they're not prepared. Absolutely. It's week two. Yes. Yeah, we're not talking yes. about how good the other teams are. We're talking about the level of preparation of the true. Niners. They'll find and a way to beat themselves. That's what happens. And that's so right. what we're saying is this is a really good team that gets very good in October. No, yep. you need to be good in September. Right. So it's a challenge to you, Kyle. And it's on you because games you lose to chumps in in September mean you have a tougher time at the tail end, especially in the playoffs. The only time they made it to the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan, they were the number one seed. They had a bye week and they had home playoff games. The last two years, they've been trying to win uh, without a bye week. And what's tough is only one team gets the bye week now. The NFL changed the rules a few years ago. So. It really matters how you start the season. You got to be good the whole time. The NFL rewards that, and the Niners don't seem to prioritize that. Yes. Okay, so we did that. And again, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm talking about history, and I'm saying the first four games are a real test of Shanahan's growth and leadership. Because it almost feels like he punts those games. Like, look, you know, we'll try to win the games with our defense, but... (laughs) We didn't play our guys in preseason. We're sort of figuring out our identity on offense. We're not willing to work that hard in in August. So whatever happens, happens. Like, I don't think that's the Super Bowl winning formula there, buddy. I don't think, buddy. Buddy. Bud. (laughs) Okay. Move. So we talk a lot about where the Niners rank in the (laughs) NFC because they might be the best team in the NFC. But frankly, that doesn't mean anything uh even jed york himself said you don't they don't hang nfc title banners these are the 49ers and they're on the quest for another lombardi trophy and eventually they're gonna have to beat the best team in the afc if they are good enough to make it to the super bowl so dad where do you think the niners rank in the entire nfl well well let's go by that could i just stop a minute did jed really say they don't put up nfc banners he said that when he ran off uh, Jim Harbaugh trying to explain it. That was a, that was like a lifetime ago. But he was saying, you know, getting close isn't good enough around here. And we're, that was the reason to bring in Jim Tom Sula because they wanted to get over the hump. Ah, they and wanted Jim to was bring the guy. in a butcher. They wanted to bring in a butcher <laughs> as opposed to yeah, a winning coach. It's true. That's interesting. I didn't mm. realize Jed's standards were that high. Hey, they used to be. Now okay. he just likes being in the mix. Yeah. Okay. Where do they rank in the NFL? It's a mm. more interesting question than where they rank in the NFC. So yes. let's let's go team by team or number by number and see if we agree. Yeah. I'm going to go with Kansas City as 
and I know it changes in the blink of an eye, but it's it's the off season now. I'm going to go number one is Kansas City. What about you, Iggy? I'm going to go. I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian here. I'm going to go number one Cincinnati, and I'll give you my reasoning. I um, love it. They're very, very. They're both really good teams. They usually face each. I think they face each other in the AFC Championship at two years in a row. Um, the Chiefs lost their left tackle this off season. The Bengals signed him. He's really good. Orlando Brown, really good. So that's a big addition for the Bengals. And the Chiefs replaced him with Donovan Smith, who is just dreadful. He led the league in holding penalties last year. They got him from Tampa Bay. Don't know why they're wasting their money and time with him, but they also drafted a guy. And if that guy doesn't play right away, they got a problem in Kansas City. So I'm gonna I think those are the two best teams in the league, though. Cincinnati and Kansas City. Okay. Those two. Yeah. I won't quarrel about Cincinnati, and you're much better at at these details than I am. But could we agree? Yes. That Cincinnati and Kansas City are better than the Niners. I think so. Yes. I, 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 I would have to say so. That. Yeah. Uh, both teams has a better quarterback. Both no of those question teams about have, it. Both teams have okay. better offensive lines. Yeah. So yeah. if we're including the AFC, right off the bat, there are two teams that are apparently better than the Niners, Cincinnati and Kansas City. How about Buffalo? I would have to say Buffalo, too. I would have to say so. And they Buffalo, have an excellent they, defense and a better quarterback. I mean, Josh Allen is, is might be better than Burrow. They have a better defense than the, the Bengals. It's just I, I don't really like their weapons that much on offense. But even so, a Josh Allen can sort of do it all on his own. They're very tough. Very, and that quarterback is phenomenal. Yeah, I love to watch him work. Like I love to watch Mahomes work. I love yeah. to watch him work. Yeah, okay, he's about so, on that level. Now that's three teams. Yeah. How about maybe number four, Philadelphia? I would have to say so as well. Philly still has a bunch of really good players that are in their um, 30s, their center, their defensive tackle, their defensive end. I think they got like one more year out of those guys, and maybe next year the Niners pass them. But right now it still looks like the Eagles are better on paper than the Niners. And they did beat up the Niners pretty good in in Philly a few months ago. Kick their ass. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the technical term for it is. Yeah, the, 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 in the business, the clinical term, kick, clinical term, yeah. kick their ass, yeah. hurt them, hurt them, hurt them, hurt two quarterbacks. Hurt and the thing about quarterbacks. it is, the Niners say like, you know, it was unfortunate we lost their quarterback. If they didn't lose Brock on that play, they were going to lose him on another play. He was going to get hit hard all game, and Kyle wasn't going to do anything to adjust his his offense. Look, look at the plays he called for Josh Johnson. He didn't make any adjustment for Josh. It was he like seven step drop, seven step drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. I want to say about Philly. They're really well coached. Yep. They are really well coached. That's a yep. serious outfit over there. So they're that's so four- much bigger and tougher in the trenches than the Niners. The Niners like their D line. The, the the Eagles D line is even better at rushing the quarterback. I mean, their offensive line is the best in the league. They're, it's a tough matchup. They can neutralize Nick Bosa and every, and all the guys the Niners have. It's tough. Okay, so let's stay with Philly a minute. Um you could say, oh, we could have beat Philly, but we hurt – our quarterback got hurt. Well, Philly hurt the quarterback. Um, right. You're in danger against them. So I'm, And they beat the Niners the last time they met. So I'm saying they're I number like. four. Yeah. I got a, a possible number five that I think could, could maybe beat the Niners. But that's in, four that we agree on right now. And I think they'd be right. hard to argue against. Another one – and maybe this is questionable, would be Baltimore. They got the quarterback who's very dynamic. Apparently, the quarterback and the organization don't like each other, but one would assume he's going to play hard. Yeah. So 
they would be very challenging for the 49ers. You know what, what else is good news for the Ravens? They finally got rid of Greg Roman. Oh. Enough. Oh. He's gone. So you don't oh. have to, like, I, I feel like that's the, always the thing holding us back from being optimistic about that team. It's like, we know the Greg Roman story. He's not good enough. So he's gone. And they brought in this guy, Todd Munkin, who just was with the University of uh, Georgia the last couple of years, won a couple national championships. He's been in the NFL. They got a bunch of new wide receivers. They're going to try to pass the ball more. It should be interesting. Balt, and they have a really good defense. And the Niners face them this year. That's another team. I have three. The AFC is so tough. I have three other teams that are in the conversation right there with the Niners and the Ravens. Well, two other teams. Miami. Say something about Miami. When the Niners beat, beat their ass, they were really banged up. Uh, two had already had a couple concussions. If they're healthy, when they were healthy, they started off 8-0, and they added Vic Fangio this offseason. He's their new defensive coordinator. They also got Jalen Ramsey, who's one of the best corners in the league. But Fangio is a nice addition because their defense was terrible last year. So that's something to, that's a 9-8 and team that just added a whole, like the best defensive coordinator in the league. And another one is the Jets. The Jets. There's a reason why Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to that team. They had the fourth-ranked defense last year. Their defense is really, really good. And now they go from having like the worst quarterback in the league to having not one of the five best, but maybe one of the ten best quarterbacks in the league. That's another team, considering the Niners could be starting Sam Darnold. Very interesting. Um, let's say that those teams are in the conversation with the 49ers. So yeah. what we have is... If I'm doing my math correctly, the Niners are potentially number nine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like they're potentially one or two in the NFC, but they, if they were in the AFC, they could be like the seventh best team. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, except for Tua, I don't like Tua. Me but neither. One of the things that the upper echelon teams that we mentioned have over the Niners is a great quarterback. Yes. Absolutely. It's one of the, I mean, it's not the only distinguishing feature, but look at Cincinnati, a very good yeah. quarterback. Look at Kansas City, Buffalo, Ravens. These are the real, Jets. The Jets. Yeah. And the Niners at this point, now maybe later we'll say they can compete, but right now you can't say at quarterback they can compete with those teams. Do you think Robert Sala would trade uh, Aaron Rodgers for the Niners three quarterbacks? Hey, let me get all three. I want your quarterback room. You can have Aaron Rodgers. What do you say? I don't think so. I think he's happy with his quarterback. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, the Niners have this terrific roster, and they've had sustained success, but they're kind of walking a tightrope without a quarterback. You know? I mean, they say they like guys, but two of them are hurt. One of them, Sam Darnold. It's easier to feel confident about a team that has Aaron Rodgers and a good defense. I mean, let's try Lamar this. Jackson. Let's try this. Any of the yeah. teams we mentioned, including Miami, would they trade their starter for that quarterback room? No. I don't think no. so. And that's a bad spot for the 49ers. I know they the, the Brock Purdy story was wonderful for two months, but then he really injured his arm. And now you don't know what the Brock Purdy story, what chapter two is. It could be a horror story. Right. And Iggy, yeah. even if he had remained upright against Philly, who's to say he would have won that game? I don't, I mean, he was going to get hit a lot of times in that game, and I don't think yeah. he's built to withstand that kind of punishment. You know what? Anyway. Kyle Shanahan is like a terrorist. <laughs> he's yeah. a terrorist on his own yeah. quarterback. Absolutely. He's, 
He's supposed to be defending his quarterback. He's like attacking his quarterback. He's a, he's a quarterback terrorist. He's a pass rusher, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> he's Michael Strahan. He's the one coming for his quarterback. And then he's going to gloat over his demise. Sudden Chaos says Philly cares about QP position. Uh, Philly cares about O-line. Would you say Philly just better coach than us? QP. I'm thinking QB. Uh, would you say Philly's just better coach than us? Um, their defense was a joke. I don't think their defense was better coach than the Niners. Remember what the Chiefs did to the the Eagles defense in the in the Super yeah. Bowl? That was embarrassing. But their offense, yeah, I'd have to say their offense is better coach. And I like the way their head coach goes for it on fourth down so much. I think that's Kyle's a little conservative. I'll I'm gonna say this, and this is gonna piss Kyle off. Kyle, I'm sorry. I think the Eagles head coach is a better leader than Kyle. Yeah, and let's again. The most important position is the quarterback position. Kyle has done everything but that. Nick Sirianni got the job, and the first thing he did, along with the blessing of the front office, is get rid of all the other quarterbacks and start over. They he he inherited Jalen Hurts, who was a backup. He made him the starter, got rid of Carson Wentz, and developed him well. Kyle hasn't done that. Kept him healthy, made him good. Gave, I mean, everything worked out. You can figure out the rest. Carabel Tadasi says, need to see a 2D offense with Trey Lance, Debo, and CMC in the backfield. How can the Niners not be a top five offense? Um, I would like to see Garoppolo and Purdy both played so well last year with McCaffrey on the field. Will McCaffrey not have that effect on Trey Lance? Is he that hopeless? I'd like to see what it looks like. He seems to make life easy on a quarterback. Patriot builders out here watching the two best, says Dave Barclay. Shout out, Patriot Builders. Thanks for watching. And Dave Barclay. All right. The Niners have a new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, and he's extremely impressive. I really like everything he's saying. I'm sold on what he's selling. Um, so maybe we should talk about why he's so impressive immediately and maybe why we might need to pump the brakes on our expectations. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I went on record when they hired him as saying this was a great hire. And I still think yeah, it is. Me too. Uh, what I like about him, first of all, he's a really good defensive coordinator. He has a mm -hmm. philosophy. Also, although I've never met him, Iggy, I've seen him on the sidelines on TV. And then I heard his introductory press conference with the Niners. I would say he's a man of tremendous poise, mm -hmm. dignity. Yep. Um, he's a real grown up yeah real presence um, a, uh, yeah that's a better yeah. word he's a, a yeah. real presence he's he's yeah. he exudes leadership yes um yes D'Amico ryan's who did a very good job i always considered a pupil yeah. he always struck me as a pupil yeah. that he didn't really add that much to what salad did but he was he had learned it and he was good at applying it and Salah, I think the players liked him and respected him. He was, he's 36 or 37. He played in the league. That, he's almost one of them. Okay, great. Yeah. Salah and Wilkes don't strike me as pupils. They strike me as master teachers. Master yeah. teachers. And yeah. in a way, getting Wilkes is going back to Salah. You can hear it in their answers to, to questions, too. Like Salah and Wilkes, when you ask them a conceptual football question, they're like, thank you. Let's turn this into a little seminar. And they get into it. Like Ryan's is like, I don't have to answer that. I don't have to explain football to you. It's like, okay, um, I would have appreciated it though, but okay. 
Okay, so we're both really high on Steve Wilkes. Right. I want to be a little cautious. And again, I'm being I'm being cautious today. It maybe is the new eye. It could be. I'm seeing seeing things, things a little clearer out of one eye, though. Only one. Yeah, I kind of like that. Everything is wonderful until you play a game. Yeah. Everything is wonderful until the offense gives you something you didn't expect. Right? Yep. So Steve Wilkes can sound phenomenal, all right, uh-huh. in a way that Fangio never does. Fangio's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's playing. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so Steve Wilkes can sound phenomenal. He's going to do some different things. He's going to blitz more. He has to learn his defensive backs. Um, let's see what happens. Let's see what he is in a game. So I'm mm-hmm. saying I'm glad they hired him, but I'm not going to anoint him quite yet until they win the first game. And he think that's has fair. a dominant defense. Because like, let's look at it from D'Amico Ryan's perspective. I've been saying a lot, like, you know, D'Amico, I, he was a little overrated, and Steve's going to be better. D'Amico's probably sitting there being like, okay, I had the number one defense in the league. Number one. Uh, yards, scoring. Let's see Steve Wilkes improve on that. I really want to see it. I want to see it. Oh, he got Javon Hargrave. Oh, that's a big addition. Okay, be, be number one again. Do it again. Because if you're not... People are going to be looking at me like they're like I'm better than you. Wouldn't you think that? Like, go ahead. I set the bar pretty if, damn high. Change it. Switch it if up. If I were a competitor, that's how I'd feel. I would, yeah. I would, I'm going to say I'm going to kick ass here in Houston, which he's not, by the way. No. Uh, no. He's not. But let's see Steve Wilkes beat me as a defensive coordinator, and that is a fair position to take. And I think what I would say is I still feel like this is an upgrade for the Niners, even though it hasn't been proven yet. But it could be a little bit of a rough transition at first. I mean, we're yeah. so used to the Niners' defense being ready to go week one. Well, D'Amico inherited the defense from Salah, changed nothing. Like, now we're getting a new coach, maybe new terminology, maybe new new tendencies, plays. Who knows? This The defense might give up 25 points to the freaking Steelers week one, and then what are you going to think? Like, it could be a little rough at first. Iggy, if the defense starts out the season shaky in a few games, you think Kyle would be would have Wilkes' back? No, absolutely not. Absolutely He'd not. He'd be one and done. If this if this defense takes a major step back for no reason after having, after adding Javon Hargrave, that I mean he's done. It would be really bad for Steve Wilkes. It's like, how did you find a way to make this amazing defense not so good? How did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um Still, though, he's been a D.C. before. He's never had the success that D'Amico had. On the other hand, he's never had the players that Salah and D'Amico had the last couple of years. One thing I want to say is Salah, to me, is the real deal, and you can see it. He immediately rebuilt a top-level defense on the Jets. They're the, they're the fourth-ranked defense last year. It was the second year on the team. He can do that. I'd like to see what D'Amico can do on his own in Houston. Love to see that because that's kind of a blank slate that he's got. Be very interesting. Yeah. Um. Macklin Peterson says, how will Freddie Warner's responsibility production on the field change under Wilkes? That's a good question. I think Wilkes' attitude is, I have these great linebackers. Why do they only go sideways and backwards? I want them to go get the quarterback sometimes too. So I think you're going to see more blitzes for Warner and Greenlaw, more sacks for Warner and Greenlaw. I wonder if they're going to do more man-to-man coverage because Warner was like the ultimate great zone coverage guy. He's six foot three. You put him in the middle of the field. He's hard to throw over. He's really hard if you just park him there in a zone. 
Is he going to have to do more man coverage? I, I don't know. That's another thing. Like, why would you change that? He's the best zone coverage middle linebacker in the league by far. He shuts down, passes over the middle. Are you really want chasing people around? Why? Curious to see how Steve Wilkes use, uses Fred Warner. Iggy, Iggy, does anybody call him Freddie? No Freddie one. Warner? No. I've never fact, heard Freddie before, but maybe maybe Macklin knows him. Maybe he does. His name is actually Federico. F-E-D-E-R-I-C-O. Federico Anthony Warner. Little known fact about Fred Warner. That's a nice name, Federico. It's a beautiful name. Federico, beautiful and he's from San Marcos, California, which is, you know, just a little north of San Diego. Nice area. San Marcos. Um, Errol Tolbert says... Wilkes keep Lamar in check with the Panthers last year, so he will be fine. That is interesting to me. One thing that I thought D'Amico was hopeless with and Robert Sala wasn't as good as he should have been with was just containing mobile quarterbacks. And I think it's partly this wide nine thing. Like You spread out your defense alignment so far. You're like asking a quarterback to run through him. Um, and if you don't blitz and bring in a fifth guy, there's so many gaps. But I think Wilkes likes to blitz, and apparently he has a track record of Defending this, and this could be one area where they improve. Like Every mobile very quarterback they face doesn't kill them. Yeah. Thanks for the comment, Errol. Thank you very much. All right, let's get back to the show. Looking ahead to the OTAs, there's like ro um, roster competitions you look at, right? And some some uh, positions are, you look at them like, geez, someone really good is going to get cut. On offense, for example, like running back. The Niners might have the best running backs in the league. And wide receiver, they got a bunch of good ones too. And then you look at offensive line, it's like, man, some of these guys are going to make the team that like, I wouldn't really consider NFL players. So in a sense, the Niners have a little bit of an imbalance on offense. Well, let's go through the running backs and the wide receivers first. Let's say who the tentative players are and some other good ones who may not even make the roster. Okay, let's start with the running backs because I consider the Niners running back room the number one in the league. We got Christian McCaffrey who is a very good running back and a great receiver for a running for a better receiver than running back. Excellent starter. You never know what the Niners are going to do with him on the field. Then you got Elijah Mitchell, his backup who gets hurt, but averaged six yards to carry last year. Um, Jordan Mason, another backup who averaged six yards to carry last year. And they, um, they drafted a guy named Ty Davis price in the third round last year. Who's already in trouble. He didn't do much last year. And the Niners signed another undrafted free agent um, named Kalen Laburn who our cousin knows and is like, yes. that guy's good. So I, he's, I've, I've seen him. He looks good. Every year the Niners bring in an undrafted running back who's good. So that's like four guys. And now this third-round pick from last year has to fight for his job on this team. Otherwise, it's you can go play for Arizona. Okay. So, yeah. so they are so loaded at running back that a draft choice last year and a pretty good player May not yeah. even make the team. And this is very important because the last couple of years, a reason for their slow starts is if you remember Raheem Mostert got hurt week one and they were like flailing around trying to figure out what to do at running back until they put Debo back there. And then last year, Elijah Mitchell got hurt week one and they were flailing around, flailing around trying to figure out what to do at running back until they traded for McCaffrey. So this year, the idea is don't have all your running backs get hurt week one and two. And so far, it seems like they have the bodies, which is a yeah. really crude way to call you always call about talk about bodies in football, but they got the bodies. It also means, I think, that they won't have to use Debo Samuel that much at running back. 
which I don't think you want to do anymore. Maybe no. once or twice when you absolutely need it uh, to throw them off, but people seem to be expecting it now. Yeah, but you yeah. can use it as a deke, as a deke kind as of As a play. deke. I like a deke. A deke. So, so that's okay. the running back spot. Wide receivers. Okay, wide receiver. They've got Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, three really good players. They also have Danny Gray, who was a third-round pick last year. Didn't really get much of an opportunity and looked okay when he did. Ray Ray McLeod, who was really good last year for kind of like a fourth or fifth receiver. Uh, then they drafted a guy this year named Ronnie Bell, who looked terrific in the rookie minicamp. Um, they have an undrafted receiver in Tay Martin from last year who looked terrific in the rookie minicamp. And they signed a vet named Chris Conley, who has started a bunch of games in the NFL. He's 6'3 and pretty fast. So they, they have a lot of, I mean, a couple of those guys are not going to make the team. Yeah. So again, yeah. it's a very impressive roster. Yeah. And some of those really impressive players are not going to make the team and they'll go elsewhere. Then right. gonna... like if you're a bad team, you're thinking like, ooh, uh, I'm gonna get one of those running backs, you know, when they hit waivers. I'm gonna get one of those wide receivers. And I just can't keep yes. all of them. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. you're checking them. They're not gonna go and, and work at Walmart. They're gonna be in no. the league. Yeah, and it kind of I mean, it's a good the Niners must feel good, like, wow, we're such a good team that we're going to cut play, wave players that are going to be on other rosters. Like, what are you going to do? It's a good problem to have. And it is. Okay, so what they got is good players at running back and wide receiver who will not make the team. Let's go over to offense. Also, tight end. Poor Ross Dwelly, my favorite player who never gets the ball. They drafted two tight ends. He might finally get squeezed out. And if he does, I'm telling you another team's going to sign him. That's right, another guy. he has great hands. And he's a great winner. Great hands. And he's never gotten an opportunity because he plays behind George Kittle, but no other team has George Kittle. Dwelly, watch Dwelly go to the Chiefs. The Chiefs loves doing that. They got Jerick McKinnon. They made him a player. I'm just saying. Okay. Let's go to the offensive line. That's another story. Uh, I don't think the Niners have a player they're going to cut on the offensive line who's going to surface on another team. I mean, it looks like they have players on their offensive line that are borderline practice squad guys at this point. So they don't have an excess of good players. No, not no. They have one great left tackle. They have a, a decent left guard. They have a decent center. They had a right guard who was horrendous last year, but a rookie and a right tackle who started five games. And then behind them, they have very little depth, especially at offensive tackle. So in fact, at the other positions, they have an excess here. They have deficiency. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 this comes back to Kyle. This is the way he built his team. Like he, he was a wide receiver. He likes players who touch the ball, and I think he feels that you know he, he can express his genius through their route combinations or whatever. And he, like a good offensive line doesn't necessarily make him look smart. A bad offensive line kind of makes him look smart because he's like, look what I can do. You, most coaches couldn't handle an offensive line like this, but you just give me one. One great left tackle and, and, you know, a bunch of serviceable guys making nothing around him. Doesn't matter. I'll still have a top five offense in the league. I think that's kind of how he thinks. Yeah. and Gives he, him more credit. He doesn't add that I'll get four quarterbacks demolished. No, but, it's their fault. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, the play should have worked. It worked on paper. Yeah. And then I'll have a bunch of people in the media saying it's the, play, it's the player's fault, too, because I'm great. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I get snarky with Kyle sometimes, but he, this is a little bit of his attitude. Yeah, so there are two issues with him. Can he start the season fast, yeah. as he should? And can he protect the quarterback with that right side of the offensive line with deficient backups? 
as opposed right. to other areas? I mean, the question is, what helps a quarterback the most? Uh, a bunch of running backs and wide receivers that you pay a lot of money to or a good offensive line? Yeah. I mean, it seems like in Kansas City, they let Tyreek Hill go. I mean, they they let they have a different running back every year. They 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 cycle through running backs and wide receivers and feel like they're sort of replaceable, but their offensive line seems to be the cornerstone of their offense of their team. The Niners are so the opposite, and it's like, man, the Chiefs keep winning Super Bowls. Their quarterback doesn't really get doesn't miss games, and their offensive line is the strength of their unit. And the team that beat you in the NFC was the same way. Best offensive line in the league, really good quarterback who doesn't miss games, a ton of games. Meanwhile, you 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 have a team like his quarterback who can't play more than two months at a time. Any quarterback, and any I feel quarterback, any quarterback, and I think even your biggest supporters, Kyle, are gonna get to a certain point where they can't defend this anymore. Like, yeah, great team, great you know, great culture, whatever. But he is just lost at the quarterback position and at the offensive line position, and the combo that's a bad combination. Iggy, what would have happened? If Aaron Rodgers came to the Niners as opposed to the Jets, would he have made it through the whole season? No. No, he would have had to he would have had to protect himself by checking the ball down and getting the ball away. And and it might not have looked as good. And and you wonder why he didn't choose this team. I mean, the Niners act like they didn't want him, right? Like, oh, they're happy with their quarterback room. Mm-hmm. I wonder if to get a, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or, or Lamar Jackson, who's really rich and has input on things. They might say, yeah, yeah, I'll come, but what about that right side of the offensive line? It's terrible. Right. I need something better over there. And the Niners like, nah, that's how we build things around here. Okay, well, I'm going to go to the Jets because the Jets have a really good right guard. I don't know where they got the idea to spend a first-round pick on a guard, but he's really good, and he went to Bishop O'Dowd High School, Dad. How about that? Really? Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah. Elijah Vera Tucker. No, but I told Robert Sala over the phone. I was like, hey, I like your pick. He went to Bishop O'Dowd. He went to my high school. Sala was like, why would I care? <laughs> it's like, that didn't mean anything to him. But to me, I was like, wow, great pick. Bishop O'Dowd. <laughs> Good bloodlines. I like Bishop O'Dowd. Me too. It's we were school. happy to send you there. I got a story. My, you know, my friend Patrick's in town. Yeah. And he was hanging out with his friend Aaron, who went to my high school with, uh, we all went to the same high school. And Patrick said to him, they were driving by O'Dowd. He said, I haven't been there in years. Aaron said, let's go. So they, they drove up and they welcomed him. They got a tour around school, and Mr. Green, I don't know if you remember Mr. Green. He was the track coach. He also was my uh, history teacher I freshman year. I remember Mr. Green, yeah. Br- brought them both into the class and had them like talk to the oh, students. Pretty cool. I love it. That's Odell so for you. Good school. I, I want to tell you something. Yeah. Um, we used to be in a synagogue, yeah. uh, Sinai, Temple Sinai in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And it cost money. And at the time, we didn't have a lot of money. Not that I do now. But then when you went to the Catholic school, O'Dowd, I had to drop out of the synagogue so I could pay money to the Catholics. I went from the Jews to the Catholics. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, Sorry. I dropped out. I dropped out. Yeah. Well, Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if there's any more. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Uh, glass half full. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. Glass half full guy says, do you think Hargrave will be better than Buckner? I'm optimistic he will. No. Buckner could play the run. Yeah. No. But he'll be really good. But no. I don't think so. I don't think so. But he'll be really good. California Bear says, shout out to Grant, number one journalist covering the Niners. This is the year you separate yourself from the rest. Thank you, California Bear. I think he already Appreciate did, it. to tell you the truth. Alex Bustani says, if Kings would have beat the Warriors, would they have beat the Lakers? I don't know. 
I don't I'm think done so. With, I'm done with the NBA. The Warriors are out. Uh, yeah, you think Sabonis was going to do anything against AD? MGM Production says right tackle is really going to have their hands full early in the season. Baptism by fire. Shalom, Mr. Kong. Shalom. Shalom. Yeah, they got some good edge rushes they got to face. All right. OTA start next week. About 10 days. Uh, I like sort of organizing my thoughts beforehand. What do I need to look for? Because there's this too much happening at once. You kind of have a, a game plan of what okay. to look for. And so let's go through it. What are the top storylines we got to be monitoring? Okay. Okay. You Here's the thing. Yeah. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Your top three storylines are the quarterback. That's the thing. It is. And oh, the thing is, you gotta. You, 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 it's, it's obvious, and we'll talk about it, but it's almost like you can't only do the quarterback. Um, you got to be, you got to remember there's other things too because fans want other stuff, but you almost can't do enough quarterback. And this year, there's actually going to be a competition. It's very intriguing. Right. They usually don't have these. Yeah. And here's the thing yeah. ordinarily, I don't give a crap about the backup quarterback because. Brock Purdy isn't going to participate. But in this case, it's not so clear it's the backup quarterback. Who no. knows what's going to happen? So you really have to pay attention. It's like, I got to tell you, I said quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. When I was in graduate school in English at Stanford, uh, the guy who directed my uh, dissertation, he quizzed me one time. He says, who's the greatest English novelist? And I didn't, I didn't know. And, he, and I was quiet and he goes, Dickens, Dickens, Dickens. <laughs> so... Now you know. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And it's, it's like, is, is Trey Lance throwing different? What are his, what, I'll have the slow motion videos of him throwing. We'll dissect his mechanics. And then you'll the, we'll be uh, tallying up his completion percentage against Sam Darnold and his TDIT right. ratio. I mean, there is going to be a lot of analysis about these past, these throws. And I want to say something else before we move on to the lesser stories. Let's say, for example... Trey Lance wins the competition. I'm not saying he will because I have no idea. But I'm just saying, let's say he does. And let's say he starts the season because I believe the winner of this competition starts the season. I don't think Purdy is all of a sudden going to be ready for game one. But I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. Let's say it's Trey Lance. Let's say he gets the first three games and he wins them and he does really well. Then they say, Brock Purdy's ready. Do you think they'll put in Brock Purdy if the other guy no. won three games and looks good? No. no. So what I'm saying is they're actually auditioning to be the starter. I would agree. I would agree because nothing against Brock Purdy, but if he misses training camp the way we think he will, in addition to OTAs and, and minicamp, what would you? What can you really expect for him? Like throwing him in there almost feels like a desperation move because the other two guys aren't any good. So right. Number one option, the best case scenario is you can take your time with Brock, let him come back slowly and gradually, and Trey Lance is what you wanted him to be. That's the best case scenario. And here's the other thing I think. I think Kyle Shanahan has no convictions about who's the best quarterback. He goes with whoever works for him in the short term. I think you're totally right. I think people are trying to think, who's Kyle's guy here? Is it Trey? Is it Darnold? I think it's 33-33-33. He could care less. <laughs> he could care less. He could care less. And I think that's a little dangerous because let's say they don't start 3-0, right? Let's say they start 0-1 like you thought they might. I mean, they got to go to Pittsburgh. They lost to freaking Chicago last year. What if their offense goes to Pittsburgh, lays an egg, scores 10 points, loses? Does the quarterback get benched after one game? 
I don't know. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if it's Lance? They score 10 points. Darnold's healthy. What do you do? I don't know. What I Kyle think do? the head coach is sleepless. Goes yeah. sleepless. Yeah. Maybe you, you force Brock back out there, and then he loses. I mean, this yeah. is going to be a very interesting season. And what's interesting also about it is not to have revisionist history here and start talking about things that Jimmy Garoppolo did well, but I just got to point out that the last two years, the Niners started off slow, and the quarterback on the field when they turned things around, was Jimmy. Now, That's Brock, right. it took off with Jimmy, but it's a tough thing when you're on the brink of collapse at week 10. That's a lot of pressure. You're three and four, you're three and five, and all of a sudden you turn it around. You need some good leadership for that. And in football, I talk about not getting too high and not getting too low and not riding the emotional roller coaster. The one thing about Jimmy was that he was flatlined all freaking time. He had this smile on his face, and you couldn't tell if he was winning or losing, and you couldn't tell what the freaking record of the team was. Kyle's not like that. Kyle's no. emotional. He gets up. He gets down. And I think the team kind of needed Jimmy in that sense. They needed his steadiness, even if, like, we, we, we mock what he, how he played quarterback, sure. But his leadership style, he got it from New England. It's exactly the kind of temperament you want from a quarterback. Does Sam Darnold have that temperament? If the Niners are three and four, is Sam Darnold going to like, pick him out of that hole? I don't know. And I don't even know if Brock's that guy because he didn't have to do that last year. Right. So, yeah. okay, so for me, the, the, the storyline is quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. What are the storylines are worth devoting time to? Well, there's a couple things like we had already, like we had just talked about. Are the Niners going to start slow? Is Kyle going to do anything different this offseason to have a fast start? Like, that's something to kind of keep in the back of my mind as I'm watching. Instead of just evaluating the players, the good and the not so good, well, evaluate Kyle too. Well, what about the structure of your practices? Do that's I love something. It. And they, yeah, so that's something. And also Wilkes, we're talking about how much you changing. How much you changing there, buddy? So also, Iggy, yeah. what's his demeanor like during what's his demeanor? Is he quiet? Does he yeah. have his hands folded on his chest? Is he observant or is he vocal? I'd yeah. like to know what he's like during practice. I have a feeling he's quiet, but I don't know. Well, he isn't that quiet. He's with the defensive backs. He's a former defensive backs coach, and he's like, it seemed like he's training them uh, himself. D'Amico used to do that a little bit. He was a former linebacker and linebackers coach. So he was with the linebackers. Now D'Amico's with the DBs. So he's hands-on. Wilts is with the DBs, yeah. I'd with like to know about his demeanor and what he changes. So, okay, Kyle and Wilkes, those are coaches. What about storylines with players? Yeah, um, this one's kind of silly, but and I've never done this before. But I think legitimately this offseason, there is a kicker watch on the 49ers. I love and it's it. like, because if he starts missing kicks in practice, that's a national story. You know, the, the, the kicker that the Niners took in round three, the number one kicker taken in the draft is blowing it in, in camp. Oh, my God. So I just have to watch to see that he's making. If he makes the kicks, no one cares. Good. You made the kicks. But so, and what's tough is, you know, on, those, on that field, it's kind of hard to tell if the ball goes through the uprights. You got to get like a good... You know what I mean? You're kind of to the yeah. side a little bit. You can't get behind it. So kicker watch. Really excited for that. But people want to know, how did Jake Moody look? Absolutely. Kicker watch. And then Javon Hargrave, I think, is a big one. I mean, he's the big addition. He's supposed to be the, the reason they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Is this one guy that they added. Like, what does he look like? Is he going to go one-on-one -on -one against Trent Williams? No. He'll go one-on-one -on -one against Aaron Banks, the guards. And well, that'll and be Banks. interesting to see. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. Bosa goes against Trent Williams, although they don't really do it very much. They kind of maybe once or twice. 
and then they shut him down. But yeah, Hargrave. Also, want to see Kinlaw. He's still on the team. If he can, Kinlaw and Armstead. Kinlaw didn't do much last year. Neither did Armstead. Armstead played eight games, had zero sacks in the regular season. If he can be what he was two years ago, all of a sudden the Niners have a just a dominant pass rush. So he has a lot to prove as well. And he got hurt immediately in training camp last year. So the offseason is important for him. For, we're talking about Armstead. 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 Yeah. Next question. Next question. Anything else? I mean, obviously, you know, the rookies, the, the players who assert themselves, but those what are, about, I, I got to what, what, what about a defensive back? Yeah. I mean, they traded up for a defensive back, a free safety. What's the, what's the plan for him? Yeah. Did you trade up to, to redshirt him for a year, or is there is there is he going to take someone's job? Is there a, a, a package of plays for him? I don't. Uh, that's true. The Jair Brown question. What is why? Why is what is he going to do right now? I like that. Okay. What has he done I'll for tell us you lately? A story I'm not interested in. Kittle. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah. No. When he plays the season, I'll say how oh, he plays. Yeah, but you know they're going to bring him out every day to talk to the media. Here's my prediction: when they bring out Kittle and Usechek, they're going to say, um, "So, what do you think of Trey Lance?" And they're going to say, "Oh, yeah, you know, he's great kid, great kid. He really knows the offense." And they're going to give a bunch of like backhanded compliments. And then when they say, "So, what do you think of Sam Darnold?" You are going to hear the most effusive praise ever, and that is going to be George Kittle's way of casting his vote for who the quarterback should be. Yeah. Not that he should get one. He doesn't get one. No, he shouldn't. So I'm not that interested in how he does in scrimmages and, you know, I'm just not interested in him. And since there's so much else to cover, I think you could, you know, again, you're down there, I'm not. But I think you, you could take a pass on him. I got another one. Debo Watch. He was never in shape last offseason. That's but he, you know, he he held out. He had grievances. He came back. He was overweight. He got hurt. Never got in shape. Had a down year. Uh, for him to play at his best, he needs to be in tip top shape, and he needs to be that in all off, the entire off season. So let's see, Debo, watch. I like it, and you know, you're allowed to film during, uh, you know, before yeah. the thing starts. You could film his body. So what do his yeah. legs look like? You know, it, what do his you know arms look it's like? Obvious. It's, it's obvious. It's a fair him. thing to do. Because, I mean, he's supposed to be one of the best players in the league. You're judged more, not just on your talent, but on your professionalism. Look at Christian yes. McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is going to look like the exact same in May, in September, in October, in January. He always looks exactly, he's in tip-top shape all the time. He doesn't like, you know, he doesn't pull a Roberto Duran and just put on 20 pounds and then, you know, work it off or something like that. It's not his style. And Debo, that can't be your style either. It almost feels like he thinks he can do that in the offseason and then, Work it off. No, you got to be as driven as you were before you got the money. Debo, watch. Because the question with guys like that is like, why were you so driven? Were you driven because you were about to get paid or were you driven because you want to be the greatest? If you want to be the greatest, you know, you got to do that thing every single year. It's tough. It takes a lot of commitment. I like that you mentioned Roberto Duran. It's true. He used to get fat between fights, and that's why Ray Leonard had an easy time with him in the no Moss fight because he wasn't really ready. But... Duran is one of my all-time, in my list, greatest fighters. And I would say, even though he wasn't in shape like Christian McCaffrey, he was a better fighter than Christian McCaffrey as a football player. You hear that, Christian? 
in your I'm face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was really funny. I was hanging out with my 13-year-old uh, nephew the other day, and he's been hanging out with my dad a lot, and my dad's been teaching him about boxing. And he He's told been him asking the, me. He's been asking me. Yeah, he, he told him uh, who the five greatest boxers of all time uh, are, and my 13-year-old nephew recited them to me verbatim without really having seen any of them fight ever, and I thought it was just the cutest thing ever. So, Sam, shout out to you for knowing that. It's really funny. Hi, Sam. And he's like, so Grandpa Lowell, he asked me who the greatest boxer of all time was, and I said Muhammad Ali, which I think is probably a pretty good guess from a 13-year-old. I mean, I would think he would have said Mike Tyson or something. And he was like, and Grandpa Lowell was like, no, Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Robinson. Oh, <laughs> that's true. Not even, it not is. even close. Right. So Ali now. was a great fighter. I would put him either second or third. Uh, it depending on where you put Joe Lewis. So let's put him second and Joe Lewis third. But Ray Robinson uh, was clearly a better fighter, pound for pound. He was a middleweight than Ali. You and, and Walsh any, used to argue. Oh, we never argued about, about that. About we Lewis and about, Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Bill, I mean, we argued about it all the time. And at the time, I said that Ali would have beat him. And I think Ali would have beat him. He would have run around, jabbed him, got a decision. And yeah. Walsh was older and disagreed and said he felt Lewis would knock him out. And he also said, which was very perceptive, um, if Ali had his way, there wouldn't be a fight. They would just be right. you know, dancing. And he said, uh, if there were a fight, Lewis would have to make the fight. And I agree with Bill on that. Interesting. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, Lewis is just going to sort of like slowly stalk him around the well, ring. And, and Ali could just run away forever if he wanted to. And jab. And jab. And just not Never engage. take a chance. Safety first. Never, Never take a chance. Yeah, that's true. And that would be like the most boring fight of all time. Yeah. It would be interesting. And, you know, that was one of the things I liked about Bill Walsh a lot. He liked boxing. He knew as much or more than I did. And he wanted to argue about it. And he, he was very passionate. Uh, and, oh, we got to talk about this again. Like, it really mattered, you know? Yeah. Also, a thing I like about coaches, really smart coaches, Salas like this, they can you're like this, um, but you're not a coach. But people who really know the sport, like that level, they can sort of visualize how a yep. a competition would go yep. they could see it like he's like he, he could see the whole fight in his head and i remember talking this the one the, the the moment i realized Salah was brilliant was when i was entering interviewing him about the super bowl between the rams and the um patriots and he it was off the record uh and he was like, like I, I don't, i'm gonna be candid here because i don't want my peers to know what i really think but he was like you know everyone thinks it's gonna be a really high scoring game it's gonna be a really low scoring game because of this reason like like bill belichick's gonna do this to sean McVay and just, just mess up what he does and then Wade Phillips is going to do this to Josh McDaniels. And he was like, he just called the whole game. Like, wow. So, yeah, I, I, I like that coaches can do that. It's really interesting. Yeah. There are certain coaches who can do that. Yeah. Bill could do it in football and he could do it in boxing. And yeah. Salah can do it in chess and he can do it in football. You did it one time too. I remember I was going to, I want to say like my junior prom or like something like that. junior prom, 16 and Tyson was fighting that night. I think he was fighting Lennox Lewis, and I went out, and I, before I went out, I said, Dad, who's going to win? And you said, oh, Lennox Lewis is going to stop him, and you gave a round. And I was like, "That's I didn't even ask you. <laughs> That's so specific. And I remember we went out after the thing. We went bowling, and the fight had just ended, and people, I asked, well, what happened? It's like, oh, Lennox Lewis stopped him in the whatever round. I was like, how did he know? Why? So I, yeah, that was pretty cool. You did it. Huh. You did it. Yeah. Frank Tom Ocean says Wilkes equals comp pick equals terrible draft choice. LOL. 
Right, if Wilkes becomes a head coach and the Niners get that third-round comp pick for him, then they waste it on a kicker. Okay. Yeah. Do, Thank you, Frank Do we Tomos. have any more topics? No more topics. That's it. But we have a couple more uh, questions. Mike Ria says, maybe we should have kept either Mike or Robert. Mike who? Ro- you? Robert Sala? He got a head coaching job. How, why are you going to keep him? I don't know, man. I want to see another bet between the cones, says Finesse Kid. Well, we will, but uh, not. it's too early for bets. Not at this time. Yeah, you can't be betting willy-nilly in May, but we will. Willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. Timothy Glenn says, who throws the ball at rookie minicamp? Uh, it was a couple of guys who aren't on the team. They were um, tryout guys. Steven Montez, Clayton Thorson. They just needed some guys to get through a practice. So that's who they got. Hope that helps you. That's the end of the show. It's been a terrific one. My opinion. What do you think, Dad? <laughs> I'd say this is one of the greatest ever. <laughs> Capono, thank you very much. Ant-Man Felix says, at a restaurant the other day, I noticed a framed news article titled Raiders Humiliate Red- uh, Redskins. Can't cheer this champ written by Lowell Cohn where you talked about Al Davis' uh, bright bracelet. Do you remember this? No, I don't. I apologize. Thanks for reminding me, but... I figure I wrote about 8,000 columns in my life, and uh, my brain pan can't, can't hold all of those. That must have been from a Super Bowl in, like, 1984? Yeah. January of 84? Yeah. Right, when the right Raiders won? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it was framed. It must have been good. The pros, I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember that one time when we were in Dry Creek? Uh, wine tasting with your cousin Allison and we um, wanted to go to Auntie but it said by appointment only and she was like turning around gonna leave and we were like "Ah, why don't we just go and see what happens (laughs) and we walk in and there's like one of your articles framed on the wall and you're like hi I'm the guy that wrote that article (laughs) you didn't even have to say that but they're like Lowell so good to see you and your cousin was like what the hell was that then the owner came, George, yeah. and then his son, Mick, he was in the fields. He came, and they gave us this great tasting. By the way, Unti Winery, they make Italian varietals up uh, outside of Healdsburg. What a wonderful winery, and they're great people. Scott says, Lowell, I really enjoyed your book, Gloves Off. Will you be doing a book signing by any chance? No book signing. Um, that's that's thank you. First of all, Scott, thank you so much. I'm glad you liked it, but I'm I'm pass that book now and I'm writing another one. If we ever do a meet and greet for the Cone Zone or people affiliated yeah, could bring with my your channel, books if, you bring uh, your book. And we uh, might do that. So I'll let yeah. you know. It, 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 okay. you know and we, I'd have like other people that work with us there too. Like, And I'd be happy to sign books in that context, yes. There you go. Alright, that's the show. Thank you very much everyone for watching. I'll be back in an hour with Larry Kruger because I missed him yesterday. So I'm going to get him today. Me and Jack Hammer are going to reschedule for Friday. I want to give you guys a little schedule update. Thank you, Dad. I love you. I love you, Iggy. I'll, I'll talk to you in a few minutes. Talk to you in a few minutes. Thank you, everybody.